Hey there, friendship. Today I'll be talking with worship pastor Joel Farber, as well as Prior Lake lead campus pastor Matt Clausen about the crazy times we live in right now. We'll also discuss the real-world applications of discipleship and worship. All this and more. I'm Pastor Kenny on this week's episode of the Friendship Church Podcast. Hey, Joel here. Before we get started, just want to let you know about this year's Christmas Eve services. There'll be family services at Prior Lake at 2.30 and 4 o'clock p.m. And then over at Shakopee, there'll be family service at 4 o'clock. And at 9 o'clock, we'll have a candlelight service. If you can't make it, don't worry. We'll be live streaming Prior Lake's 4 o'clock service on YouTube. For more information, go to friendshipmn.org slash Christmas. Joel and Matt, thanks for joining me. Kind of as we get started, fellas, I, I wanted to start with a segment that I like to call This World is Crazy. Are you ready for this? We'll see. So ready. <laughs> so, <laughs> man, Matt, you have a radio voice. I have a radio face. You have a radio voice. That's all good. Yes. <laughs> well, hey, I was thinking about this world is crazy, and I was looking online at some some different news events that have occurred. You know, there's been mask mandates. There's the there are monoliths popping up everywhere. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yes. The former Israeli space chief alleges extraterrestrial contact. And Trump knew. I mean, it was on the internet, so it's got to be true, right? This, this world's crazy. But here's the one that really stuck with me that I, I kind of wanted to hone in on, because one, because of the season that we're in, and two, this unique individual, and that's this. The headline reads, Santa breaks Guinness record by pulling truck loaded with sleigh reindeer. Here's what I say. Let's go into this. Kevin Fast, a Lutheran minister and seasonal Santa impersonator, set his 32nd Guinness record this year by pulling a flatbed truck loaded up with a sleigh, reindeer statues, and presents weighing a total of 36,376.27 pounds. Wow. Wow. I mean, that that's amazing. But then I started looking at it, and it's like, those were just reindeer statues. That's not even a real reindeer. Like, does right. it count? How can you be a Santa impersonator with reindeer statues? Right. Can you give me the pounds again? Yeah. 36,376.27 pounds. And Lutheran pastor guy pulled that. Lutheran pastor. Right. Lutheran pastor. Joel, do you have you have a quote or something of his, don't you? Yeah. I mean, how he trains. Did you have that around there? My training is lifting weights, rocks, and throwing logs. I pull pickup <laughs> trucks up hills, and that, I find, does the trick for me, Fast said. <laughs> oh, is, is that how you work out, Matt? I, I don't know about you, Kenny, but <laughs> generally when I meet another pastor, my first question is, would I fight them? <laughs> and if I fought them, would I win? Oh, man. And most of the time when I meet a pastor, the answer is, yeah. Yeah, that guy looks pretty wimpy. Oh, really? Uh, you know, especially... Especially, well, never mind. Uh, but <laughs> what about Pastor Kenny, man? I know that's why I'm like immediately. Is it, yeah, we should hire that guy. Could totally take it. But <laughs> clearly, I would not fight this guy. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Right. right. No. It, well, so Joel and I were talking about this ahead of time, and you know, one of the throwing logs. Like, where do you, 
is that logs out of people's eyes? How does that right. work? Hopefully you know, not like, his own. Where, where do you even find that kind of stuff? I'm picturing him in the Northwest Territory. <laughs> He's from <laughs> Canada. I've seen the caber toss where you throw the logs <laughs> up over, over the right. Yeah, up over the bar. Well, like my in first, the Highland Games. My first question <laughs> about all of this is: He's a pastor and a seasonal pass, uh, Santa impersonator. How does he do both of that at Christmas right. Eve time? Like, right, Ooh, that's who has crazy. time for that? That's that crazy. Well, speaking of which, I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about this too. So, so listen to this, Joel. Check mm-hmm. this out: Santa Claus. I know Matt Claus. In. in. Uh-huh. You see it? It's almost like St. Nicholas in at the end. Yep. In. Yep. Claus. You see this, don't you? I see it. I Here's another thing. I've never seen Santa Claus and Matt together. Right. It's like Superman and Clark Kent, kind of. And this year has some unique information as mm-hmm. well, doesn't it? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Matt, are you going to be at your home on Christmas? Uh, no, I will not. Interesting. What? Interesting. Yeah. So and I, I really probably. appreciate the fact that we've now put that out for everyone to know. <laughs> yes, by all means. Would you like my address as well? <laughs> yeah, it's right. the North Pole, obviously. Right. The North Pole. Let me give right. you my mother's maiden name and the last four digits of my social security, and oh, this will be complete. <laughs> that's right. This is that's fantastic. All right. Well, this world's crazy, but you know God is good to us, and uh, that's what we want to talk mm-hmm. about. We want to we want to get into this whole issue of discipleship and worship, uh, not just on the weekends, but in our lives. And uh, I just kind of wanted to jump in, though, by starting with this weekend. Uh, I, I uh, of course, had the opportunity. I was in Shakopee this week. I know both you guys were in Prior Lake. And so from from your perspective, just how did things go? Tell me a little bit about the service over there. The service was great. <laughs> great preaching. <laughs> great, great preaching. Yeah, that's right. That's right. At one point, Joel did start to play the drums over the top of his own voice on a video. That was my favorite part. <laughs> it was. Yeah, you can cue it up in YouTube in the 9 a.m. service right after announcements. <laughs> okay. Check well, it out. It's a done deal. I so I've been I've been chewing on this question for a while, and it's who does my life say that Jesus is? So not not really. Uh, what do my words say? Because we can say one thing and live kind of a different life altogether. But but who does my life say that Jesus is? And so I was I was really wrestling with that, Matt. When when we started using John as our as our uh, Christmas story mm. and outline, and and John, you know, he he could have like said, "Oh, Jesus is my bestie. Like he's he's great. I love Jesus." He was my best friend. We hung out all the time, uh, but he doesn't go that route at all. And I think you you kind of touched on that uh, even in your sermon, and I know we've discussed it a lot. But uh, flesh flesh that out a little bit. You know, uh, John has this opportunity to to give kind of a friendly version of Jesus, mm. and he goes like all in. Yeah, yeah. We do we do struggle with this dichotomy between the intimacy that we share with our Savior, that he is close with us, and yet also recognizing that this is a kingdom, and he's the king of the kingdom, yeah. uh, that he is God. Yeah. And John, when he introduces him as the person who was perhaps closer to him than any other on the earth, uh, doesn't say, I want to introduce you to my buddy or my homeboy or, you know, <laughs> right. right? It's, I want to introduce you to the eternal divine word. Yeah. 
the ultimate expression to humanity about who God is because he is God. Right. Uh, and, you know, I, uh, I think that John in Revelation uh, meets Jesus again in chapter 1, and we're told that when he has an opportunity to see Jesus again, years after Jesus has uh, ascended and left the earth, he doesn't run up and say, oh, it's been so long. Or <laughs> right. He doesn't even run up and throw his arms around Jesus as we might picture. He, we're right. told he just falls down on his face as though dead because of the magnificence and spectacularness of who Jesus is right. and his resurrected and glorified form yeah uh, and I think I think it's just uh, it's just a reminder to me like you know the the fear of the Lord is something that the scripture teaches in the Old and New Testament this awe and reverence yeah. at who God is and he is intimate um, but I need to be careful about how familiar he becomes yeah. um, he, he is awesome right and Christmas reminds us of that right yeah no that's really good. That's really good. So, uh, with that, with with respect to that, then how does that how does that translate into our lives? Like how? Okay, so informationally, I understand that, but practically, what what does that mean? How do how do I apply that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is God, uh, in my life? Like, why does that matter? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It just in my day to day life. Yeah. Joel, you have any thoughts on that? We thought we'd put you on the spot. I know Matt's Matt's loading his gun right now. He's like ready to boom, boom, boom. He's going to go off, so I'll give you a spot. Well, I want to give Matt the opportunity to have the serious answer. Okay. <laughs> and so the whole time I'm thinking, John, the author of, of John, right? Yeah. And of Revelation, right? Right. And how, you know, the non-teaching pastor that I am— more more closer to a typical person than you two. Uh, We're wow. atypical. We should we should probably explore that right there. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the, no. Yeah, the Book of Revelation. So many people claim it so, to be confusing. Wait, so let's first not read of all, it. I got I got Matt. Oh, Matt gosh. can beat me up. I'm atypical. Man, this has been a tough morning for me. <laughs> oh man. Well, so seriously, but not seriously. He writes the Book of Revelation, which a lot of people are afraid of for some reason to read because they. Yeah find it confusing. Right. And uh, you know, you start reading John 1 in the beginning in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. I, it makes sense that it's the same writer because just that very first sentence can sometimes be a, a lot to chew on. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, with that I'll let Matt digest a little bit now. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I do I do think that um if Jesus if Jesus becomes in a sense too familiar, mm-hmm. that I emphasize friendship with Jesus at the expense of majesty and lordship of Jesus, yeah. that the willingness in my life to make each and every decision within the framework of what he would have me do gets compromised. Because I've got a lot of friends, mm-hmm. and uh, they don't govern my decisions. Yeah. Right. But a majestic God and King, he, he better govern my decisions. Right. And I think Jesus, when he talks about discipleship, emphasizes this. When he says, anyone who loves father and mother, son or daughter more than me is not worthy to be my disciple. Like that, 
that's a high call in terms of the influence he's going to have over each and every decision. Yeah. Um, I was reading a survey recently in which people were asked, what is the most important thing in your life? Right. And I shared with the church, 15% said that it was their relationship with God. In that same survey, 51% said that it was their family. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's probably a reason that Jesus specifically targets family to say, hey, if, if father and mother, son and daughter are more important than me, mm-hmm. you're not worthy to be my disciple. It's because he knows our hearts are uh, going to tend towards that idolatry. Yeah. Um, he comes back to money again yeah. and again. You can't love God and money. It's one or the other. And, and I don't think that means, oh man, I, I just can't have any money. It means only one of those things can be the primary motivator in your decision making, right? And yeah. and so Jesus seems to come back to this again and again. How, how does it affect my daily life that he's overwhelming and, and majestic and I fall on my face before him? Uh, it affects my daily life in that he not my kids or parents or wife, not what'll help me make money, not what is most comfortable, but Jesus is the determiner in my decision-making. What what does he want me to do mm-hmm. in each and every decision? Mm-hmm. That's really good. You, you know, just even as you were talking, it, it reminded me of the children of Israel when they're, when they're walking through the wilderness. There is this living and active God that is directing them. And then they they make this choice to have this golden calf, and the golden calf one of the one of the benefits of having an idol is that you can lead it around. Mm-hmm. It's way more comfortable. Let's mm-hmm. vote on it, and oh, okay, everybody ready? Well, let's go. You know, you're not having to uh, yield to this living and active God. And I think in like manner, uh, we have these tendencies to make Jesus something that he's not. And and so I really appreciate that response. So uh, going back to that, and I, I really, you did a, a, a class recently about decision-making, and I, I was really encouraged by it, Matt. I really appreciated it. One of the pieces that you honed in on, though, was uh, God's sovereign will and his moral will. And so as you were talking just then about Jesus' influence, how how uh, how would you help people navigate that? You know, so... In other words, am I going to pray of, okay, Jesus, do you want me to leave the room now? Mm. Do you want me to, um, you know, turn left at the stoplight instead of turning right? Do you, or, or is there is there another type of prayer or uh, response that we should have in letting Jesus be God in our life? Mm. Wow, it uh, is a good question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot there. Yeah, right. right. How, how long is this podcast? <laughs> just a while longer. Could you just do it in like uh, two sentences? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. If I could just untangle the sovereign and moral will of God in two sentences and how we respond to it. Absolutely. <laughs> I do think, um, you know, one of, one of the things that we talked about that day and that I would affirm is that there's no place in the scripture where God asks us to find his sovereign will, or to act in order to bring his sovereign will about. It is his sovereign will. It will come Mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. And because his sovereign will um, 
within his sovereign will, um, things that are not morally right are often used in order to bring about his great good. For for example, um, because within his sovereign will, the leaders of Israel, Pilate, Judas, all acted in ways that were morally terrible, and yet were within the sovereign will that God had planned before the foundation of the earth. Mm-hmm. I would argue that there's no way that we're supposed to try and find that sovereign will or enact that sovereign will or pray towards that sovereign will because mm-hmm. it can include evil as well as good. Mm-hmm. But God's moral will, as expressed in the scripture, always includes what is good and therefore tries to, we are always to seek that moral will, mm-hmm. always to seek that and pray towards that end. So when when Jesus teaches us to pray and teaches us to pray, your will be done, I don't believe he is teaching us to pray towards God's sovereign will. That's going to be done. right? Now, there might be an acceptance of God's sovereign will, as we see with Jesus in the garden, right? Uh, let your will be done here. And so yeah, I may, there may be things right. I have to accept Mm-hmm. within the framework of God's sovereign will. I I really wanted this job in my life, but that just isn't happening. And I, I got that 100%. And I, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I really wanted this person to work for our church, right. but we got Joel instead. <laughs> wow. And no. Yeah, but, but, but no, we good. are to be praying for his moral will to be done. And because he's expressed right. it to us, my prayers can be framed by those scriptural understandings. I yeah. am praying for His will as He is, as He's given it to us. Yeah, that's excellent. I I really appreciate that. Thanks for, thanks for just kind of walking down that road with us even today, Joel. As as we are 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 talking about uh, living this out, we're we're tapping into discipleship, but also worship. And I know, just even as we were talking um, earlier about worship in our services. One of the things that you have been very purposeful about has been zeroing in on uh, worship that is vertical, and and how how do we take our our words, our actions, and really direct those to the Lord through our song, through through the the musical ministry at the church, and I, I've appreciated that. Maybe you can identify some places where you've seen uh, you've had to. Uh, you, You've had to even say, oh, I know this is a popular song on the radio, but we're not going to sing it because it's not vertical. Mm-hmm. It doesn't highlight the deity of Christ, the mm-hmm. authority of God in my life. Uh, has that happened? Yeah, I mean, there are plenty of songs out there, and uh, you get requests every once in a while, and um, there there's specific songs that are popular today, and I don't even know if if I can I say that can I say the title of these songs? Am I allowed to say that in this? Uh, you can do whatever you Maybe. want. I mean, I'm, we can always go back and edit it. All right. If. Well, there's a song. It's a great song, and uh, it's called "The Blessing." Oh yeah, right? yeah. And it's a great example of horizontal worship because there's nowhere in the song where we say, "God, you are so good. You deserve all right. of our worship." Right. The, the Lord bless us and keep us. Right. It's right. it's me. It's us focused in, and it's okay for us to to you know how you and Matt have been kind of doing a benediction at the end of services, right. kind of giving a blessing, or it's okay to sing that song over our congregation to say, hey, you know what, we're gonna bless you with this song because as Colossians three tells us to admonish one another and encourage yeah. one another in the spirit and in spiritual songs. 
that's more along the realm of horizontal worship and it's okay. But when you look at that song or you want to worship God with those songs, I mean, roundabout, you could maybe sing that song thinking, God, you're so good. Thank you for this blessing. Right. But like, that's not the words you're actually saying when you're singing that song. Right. Uh, Not a bad song. And uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I've, I've appreciated your focus on that. Uh, I do feel like, uh, especially in that section of our of our worship services where we have three or four songs back to back, I really have sensed that I'm 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 directed to Jesus. I am really directed uh, in that way, and uh, I don't. I think it makes a difference. I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, Matt, but going going up into uh, the pulpit and being prepared to preach when when in a musical worship sort of way you've you've been meeting with God there is just a freedom i don't know that i feel in the pulpit mm. f- in part based on that but i also feel like the congregation is receiving it in a different way too agreed yep yep, yep. that's excellent i i would love to ask you a question kenny and <laughs> and have you just fire off rapid fire here a couple of answers uh we have been talking about Lordship of Jesus and and worshiping Jesus. Twenty twenty has been a unique year in terms of the challenges that we've faced. Just rattle off a couple of the things that you've seen in twenty twenty that have competed the most with Jesus' authority in people's lives. What what has been unique this year? Yeah, in terms of forming some sort of com- competition with Jesus. Yeah, for for that place of lordship and majesty in our lives. Yeah, that's. Th- that's a that's a great question. Um, so these are knee jerk reactions, okay? So this is just off the cuff, and and one of those I think is is even uh, um, uh, our own personal safety. I I recognize that we need to be safe, we need to be wise, all of those things. At the same time, I, um, I've almost seen a heightened uh, fear, uh, this crossroad of fear and faith. Like we're getting there really quick, and what to one person would be faith to another person is fear, and the way that that comes off, I think, mm-hmm. has been, uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm going to trust this over Jesus, and whether that's mask or no mask, or or whether that's um, I I don't know I, I'm gonna be home or go to work or I mean all of those all of those things. Uh, individually, in and of themselves, aren't necessarily bad, but I've seen those those kind of things become default. Mm. Where is my security? My security is in this thing. Where is my satisfaction? My satisfaction is in this thing. Um, where's my significance? My significance is in this thing. So those would be kind of the uh, I'm I'm highlighting some some stuff there uh, off the cuff. Probably um, another thing that I see is that uh, there is a willingness to break fellowship or friendship hmm. over how I feel or over how we feel. You know, whether, whether I um, lean into masks or not, the way that I judge other people who don't respond the way that I respond, I think that has been heightened mm-hmm. uh, in a way that has, um, I, I don't know, stepped in front of Jesus. Hmm. Um, that, at least that's the way that I see it. And it, and very frankly, it's been a it's been a concern. Uh, I I'm just going to say the the church large C every everybody that's in the body of Christ worldwide 
uh, I think there's been some tension there that, oh, wow, I, I don't know that I've seen in quite the same way mm. in days past. That's good. Yep, yep, yep. Well, guys, thank you. Great talk. Um, great time together. I just really appreciate you joining me today. And for those of you listening, if you enjoyed what you heard, you can listen to our podcasts on your favorite podcast app or on our Friendship Church app. For more information, you can always visit our website, friendshipmn.org. We hope to see you next time. This is Pastor Kenny, and we'll talk to you later. God bless.